I want people to understand what mutual aid means. It's very good and wholesome and community driven. And Chris, my partner and I had an idea for an app that was kind of going to be down the road. And we just thought, why can't we kind of pivot and make this applicable to the pandemic? So we got it going quickly. You can uh, make a request for up to $300 and there's a place to put the category if it's rent, utilities, food, childcare. Um, and then you can write a message and then folks can go onto the app and look through all of the open requests and then give directly to the request um, via like Venmo or Cash App. So it's nice because it kind of takes out this charity role in things where, you know, I believe a lot in like you said, I, I do care about the community, but I also know that I don't have everything. I don't have all the answers. I'm not here to like solve everyone's problems. I have problems too, and my neighbors come through for me the same way I want to come through for them, you know? Welcome back to the Positive People Posse Living Room. I'm your host, Dom Green, life enthusiast and marketer of Positive People Posse. This is where we sit down with entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, risk takers and people of all kinds and just talk about the good, the bad, the ugly and uplifting. Today's sponsor is Positive People Posse 3P Media. We are your digital marketing services company. And my guest today is going to be none other than Lindsay Smith with the Mary Outlaw. Lindsay, thanks for being on the living room today. Thanks for having me. You sound so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 talk about your mood right now. Let's just jump right into it and talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and uplifting. Like, you know, you're you're not really feeling like yourself today, but you are here. I'm here. Okay, and why is that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Thanksgiving, and I have no. I'm quarantined, so I have no one else to talk to today. So. <laughs> you're quarantined because of this <laughs> thing called the COVID. I think I have it. I don't know. So. You're playing. You're playing it safe, though. Yeah. That's good. That's good. You know, it's unfortunate that we can't be with our friends and family sometimes because of you know, the pandemic and the way that we really want to. But you know, at least you're doing your part. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, let's just kind of get back to where it all started with us. You and I uh, socially met <laughs> probably <laughs> about like five years ago. I don't know how long it's been, but we've been familiar with one another uh, for quite some time. It's um, you know, growing up in Kansas City, myself, you know, um, the familiarity with people, you only have a couple degrees of separation from a lot of people. And so if you're starting something, there's going to be a lot of crossover or there's going to be, uh, everyone's going to really know about it in the town of KC for the most part, right? Yeah. Um, so just let's talk about the Mary Outlaw, you know, so a little bit about your past, like, how'd you get to this point right now? where you're doing something for your community and um, trying to solve a problem and need in your, your community. Yeah, so I um, started off as a social worker and I was working in child welfare um, and I was really disappointed and fatigued and um, discouraged, I think, by the system and just wondered if I could spend my whole career there doing these things just sort of keeping the wheel turning and not making any big changes and not to say that the people who are still working in that system i mean we need them for sure but i just wanted to explore more creative ways to um wor work within my community so i originally wanted to start this whole restaurant uh concept and um you know it, it's funny how things change over time like it seemed like the greatest idea ever and then you know you, you you really have to be open when you're starting something to hearing about like what the community really needs and what's actually realistic and so it's changed a lot the Mary Outlaw has um, and I think that it's where it's supposed to be now I guess we can talk in a little bit about the mutual aid work that we're doing but yeah it's just kind of gone from from how can I challenge the status quo and have this creative um, uh, organization that sort of addresses some of the problems that we want to address in social work and do it in a way that maybe makes more sense. Yeah, pivoting is uh, is really key for any startup and business. You know, you have to spot and identify a clear path on how you can make an impact um, yeah. and actually get people, you know, supporting. There has to be some support there, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We want to do cool things. We want to do creative things all day, but like um, you, day in, day out, 
you know, is it can be a struggle if you only live in creativity without uh, any st st like stability as far as, you know, like the day to day, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, for you and I, um, so when you started the Mary Outlaw, what year was it? Was it last year? Or was it the year before? It was February of 2019 officially. Okay. So I started a positive people posse through P media, um, probably around July. It was July of 2018. And so had this like leap start, but you know, for us, you know, what we really wanted to do, we wanted to work with businesses, you know, the entire time we really did. And, but we also had that social impact. And for us, um, you know, working with businesses and providing inclusive messaging and, and marketing and different things, um, it never really looked like what we said Positive People Posse was. And people really didn't know exactly who we were. And it was kind of by design, you know, um, but also it's, it, it kind of came by um, insecurity in a way too, because sometimes you don't want to just share your full idea. Yeah. You know? Because as soon as you share your full idea, someone can poke holes at it or you know shit on your dream and you know for me um i've always just kind of had my head in the clouds you know i always think uh, you know a lot further down the road but you know sometimes i'm apprehensive in sharing my dream because you know it's not fully ready yet and um so you you've had to pivot we, we kind of talked about that so um when you first went into the mary outlaw like, what did you really want to do? And what did you want the response to be? We always think that's going to be the biggest thing from day one, right? And then we realize that, you know, we got to grind at this. We got to grind for our uh, our dream. Yeah, I remember a phone call with you after I called and told you about the, like, incubator program that I had been accepted to. Remember that? And I was like, freaking out because I didn't know if I've made the right decision. I turned it down because I, I went with my big naive vision and explained it to these people who know way more about starting the business than I ever will. And I, but I felt that, my, that I would be sacrificing some of the key pieces of the Mary Outlaw by going into this for-profit business model. And I was scared and it was like this amazing opportunity that I can't believe I even got. But at the end of the day, I just had to follow my gut and realize that that especially with a kind of social um, entrepreneurship plan that I have to stick to my values. And so I turned it down and I called Dom and was just like freaking out and didn't know what to do. And I think you were like, mm, I think you should probably do it, but I understand, you know, why that's scary, but. You know, uh, the way I remember it is uh, I always try to, <laughs> I always try to play neutral. Um, it was really like, you know, yeah, two choices either you want to be business for profit or you want to be nonprofit. And those are two separate business models and a nonprofit is definitely a business model, but, um, sustainability of, um, nonprofits, it's just a different path. And so, um, you know, there's, there's struggles and there's, there's benefits on both sides and mm -hmm. like, but I feel like gut instinct, you know, if you feel wholeheartedly about something, then you're willing to adopt that. Mm -hmm. But if it's not your idea and you're, it's someone else's, sometimes that just doesn't feel right. It's not going to sit right and it's never going to be right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, whatever my bias would be on that phone call. Um, you, you, know, were like, so, you calmed <laughs> me down. <laughs> calm down, calm down. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I've been there, you know, I, I've started uh, businesses uh, that failed and started businesses that are successful and somewhere in between. And, you know, we get burned out sometimes when uh, things don't go our way because we don't have anyone else there, you know, pushing us or anyone else there that's sharing the same vision. And yeah, it's difficult, you know, it's difficult to be on that side by yourself, but if you get, if you build that community and that, you know, you really get it clear and concise, you know, people are going to respond and, you know, that leads to the next thing, you know, the community has responded to uh, the mutual aid uh, aspect. And, you know, it's so exciting to see someone who's like, 
really about, you know, you know, giving back and being of service to uh, community and families and, you know, doing your part. You don't have to do anything. You don't, you don't have to do shit. Like, you know, for you, that's innate, you know? So, um, round of applause. Good job. Good job. So let's talk about the mutual aid fund. Yeah. So I will say that like back in the, should I start a for-profit business days? I didn't, when I turned that down, I had no idea what was next. And I just, I have a mentor and it was a lot of people who understood my vision telling me just to be open to what Kansas City needs. And I definitely wanted to be um, careful about coming in and saying like, especially as a white woman, like this is what I'm doing. This is what's right for this, you know, neighborhood and here I am. So it was nice to sort of sit back and take it in and hear from other folks what is needed. So then when COVID happened, um, it, we had a bunch of projects lined up that were supposed to start in April that were very gathering based, food based. And so those all were immediately canceled. Um, and Chris, my partner and I had an idea for an app that was kind of going to be down the road. And we just thought, why can't we um, kind of pivot and make this applicable to the pandemic? So we got it going quickly. Chris is a genius. He built the app from scratch quickly. Um, I think it was like two weeks before we were up and, and going. So basically on the app, you can um, make a request for up to $300 and there's a place to put the category if it's rent, utilities, food, childcare. Um, and then you can write a message um, and then folks can go onto the app and look through all of the open requests and then give directly to the request um, via like Venmo or Cash App. So it's nice because it kind of takes out this charity role in things where, you know, I believe a lot in, like you said, I, I do care about the community, but I also know that I don't have everything. I don't have all the answers. I'm not here to like solve everyone's problems. I have problems too. And my neighbors come through for me the same way I want to come through for them, you know? So it was important to, to create a space that was safe and comfortable for people who were making requests and wasn't, you know, that still allowed for dignity um, and, you know, keeping your request anonymous if you wanted to. So um, I think we've raised, let me look, 27,000 so far of peer-to-peer -peer, um, donations. Yeah, almost 28,000. So definitely slowed down after the first few months of COVID, but, you know, you if know, you're watching this, you should give. <laughs> well, that's well, that's the thing. You know, having that constant conversation. You know, like that's why I really wanted to bring you on because uh, you know, momentum starts at the beginning a lot of times with any type of business. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, if you you've got you're launching a t-shirt line or whatever it is, it's it's the people in between that uplift you, and it's uh, the constant marketing uh, that you have to do in between as well and you know we are a marketing company and you know so we understand that you know everyone's going to hit that that low tide but it's really about you know being able to constantly you know having a piece of marketing and um you know with this you know we've got we've got seventeen thousand uh email subscribers so if you're not subscribing to our email list please keep on subscribing um because and we're able to basically you know, highlight people like you, you know, like, I believe that, you know, for us, you know, first of all, it's good content. Second of all, it's like picking uh, the brain of another entrepreneur, uh, someone who started something that they believed in. And, you know, having honest conversations about that, you know, mm -hmm. every day is, is not going to be the easiest day, as you know, you know, you still have things going on in your, your everyday life. And, uh, you know, and then you still do this and you're being a service to people, you know, we're yeah. a service to our clients and I still have shit that goes on in my everyday life, but you have to like compartmentalize these things when you're an entrepreneur Yeah, and also deal with them all at the same time. So um, let's talk about some challenges that you face just in life in general. It doesn't have to be, it can be business or it can't be life and, you know, things that just weigh on you and uh, yeah. I, so this year has been really eye-opening for me personally and for the Marriott Law, and I'm sure for everyone, it's just like, I don't even know what to, there's nothing to say about it. I just, it's all been said. It's 
train wreck of a year. But um, I think this year has taught me, I'm such a go-getter. I know you relate to this, Dom. I'm like, like, will not rest ever. Like, don't sleep much. I'm fine with it. I'll do a million things at once. I can get it all done. And, and I've always loved that about myself. And I've gotten this positive reinforcement about my work ethic my whole life. And this year it was just like, well, things aren't going to go as planned. Like all these plans I've been making for the Marriott law for six months to a year that it's done. Like there's no, I can't fix it or adjust it. It's just, we need to start from scratch. And I hated it. Like the first week I was really upset and I was thinking, okay, how am I going to make this work? And then I just kind of chilled out for a few weeks and, and I, I, my grandmother passed at the beginning of quarantine and another, my other grandmother passed just about a month and a half ago. And so I just kind of, I felt that I had this responsibility to the community because I've made all these promises with the Marriott law, but I also needed to step back and like really, you know, deal with my own shit for a while. So um, it's been a year of like learning how to rest. I've never been able to take a nap my entire life. Like I, I think this year was my first ever actual nap. And I probably laid there for two hours with anxiety, like go to sleep, Lindsay, just do it. <laughs> but um, I'm learning how to rest and learning that it's not a failure to rest and rejuvenate. And, you know, I can't be my best self personally or with the Marriott law if I'm not taking care of me and really just like enjoying life. Like I, you know, there's not a lot to do now. I'm quarantined in my apartment by myself right now and it's Thanksgiving and I'm gonna read a book after this and I'm gonna, you know, cook some dinner by myself. And it doesn't always have to be like, how do I get to my next goal, you know? So. It's so true. You know, like uh, observing the outside thinker is one thing that I've learned through uh, a book called The Power of Now. And, you know, just really like thinking about yourself, um, you know, like even your old self, old self last month or whatever. And you think about, you know, all the things that were problems before the pandemic, you know, like they, they seem a lot smaller now in a way. Mm -hmm. It's like you were, you only knew what you knew and, and you thought that you had to run at this speed because that's what everyone's doing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very sparingly with the advice that I give to people because I know it can be interpreted in many ways. Um, my formula is much different than others. I'm like you. It's hard for me to take naps during the day. Even, even if I um, lay in bed, uh, like on a Saturday, I still have like a laptop there and I'm fucking working. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like I didn't get up, but I'm up and I'm thinking and I'm wired and, you know, I operate differently than, than other, other people. Um, but when you see like yourself, like doing things out of habit that aren't really making you feel good, you know, I, I would say that this pandemic has, has brought in a lot of moods and emotions for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think you kind of put yourself in check. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. You know? And we have to put ourselves in check. You know, it's like, okay, you have to talk to yourself. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you crazy. You have to talk to yourself and say like, hey, you really, this is not sustainable. You know, thinking or doing these, these activities or whatever it may be, whatever your, your issue may be. Um, you have to talk to yourself and say, like, does this make me feel good? You know, that's the only type of advice I can give to people. I can't be matter of fact about anything. Um, just exploring through options and, you know, having those conversations with yourself and then other people that you, you respect, you know. Um, but you can't take advice from anyone and everyone because they don't know your day to day. And only you know what it's going to take for you to pursue that happiness, you know. Yeah, I think one thing that's helped me is like, you know, when you start out with something, you feel like you have to jump on every single opportunity because you're new in the game and, you, you know, people don't know or trust your vision yet. So someone's like, hey, do you want to collaborate on this? And you're like, yes, I'll make it work. Like, we'll figure something out. And so the first year of the Marriott Law was a lot of that. And I had a lot of really cool partnerships that I don't regret at all. But it's nice now, like feeling confident in what the Marriott law is and where it's going. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know 
the values and I know the core of it. And so now it's like, I can relax a little bit knowing that I don't need to take on every possible project or every single possible partnership to make this a good thing for the community. So, I mean, that that's, it's, I don't know, it's just kind of like a peaceful confidence of, I, I am where I wanted to go. And now I just need to sort of be open, but also just chill, like. <laughs> yes, um, <clears throat> yes, I, I do wholeheartedly agree with you on that because, you know, even with uh, Positive People Posse through P Media, uh, for us, what we were and what we wanted to be, it was so many different things to people that they did not understand exactly what type of impact we wanted to have. Mm -hmm. And so um, the collaboration aspect, um, you know, a lot of opportunities presented themselves and, you know, we turned things down. Um, and like, I no regrets at all. Some things that probably could have worked out really well, but other aspects, it was like, yo, we were doing, we we're throwing events. You know, we, we definitely threw some events and people knew of us as an event company and yet it was good and it was bad at the same time because, um, you know, in some aspects, people only saw it as like, these guys just want to throw a bash, you know? And yo, I love throwing parties. I love throwing parties. Um, but, you know, it's like some of our due diligence, what we were trying to do as far as raising, you know, funding for organizations, nonprofits, you know, that we could have did better had we came up with a better plan. And so, you know, like, we threw a lot of events last year and our largest one, there was a shit ton of people there, but we lost a lot of money and mm -hmm. we did not, we did not get $1 donated to, to a charitable expense, you know? So basically through this large ego filled party, wasn't, it wasn't for ego. Like I, I literally, I had this positive ego for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like I had this massive idea and I have this massive idea still that I would love to help the world. But then your reality comes and it tells you like, Hey man, not everything you do is going to work, you know, like, and not everyone's going to feel the same level of emotion as yeah. you about something. I'm so connected to this, but mm -hmm. no one else is. They, they're there to have a good time. Yeah. They're not like, oh, I'm having a good time and I'm giving back. Like, I don't really care. They really don't. They're drunk. They're, they're having a good time. You know, like, I love creating those experiences, but like, I want to have a good time too, but I want to walk away knowing that I made a, a great impact in someone's life. Yeah. And, um, even with uh, Positive People Posse, yes, we are a for-profit business and we do marketing for people. Like, that's what we do. We do marketing for people. But we connect with people, we connect with business people. And like these business people really are about helping other people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, I think the quickest path to help others change is to interact with businesses that want to do the same, you know, like, and, and change and help and impact can be um, empowering a business to get more revenue so they can um, hire someone else for opportunity wherever it may be but also just helping out a new marketing plan that makes people feel good mm -hmm. like the general audience like helping people buy into their their brand message and make them feel good and connect with understanding you know what what their uh, their path is like mm -hmm. we could have did more of that the same advice that we give to other people we didn't take for ourselves mm -hmm. we did not um, tell people like the importance of like giving back the importance of uh of like like the impact of like making people feel good we created a good experience for them which they felt good but that's dopamine it goes mm -hmm. high and then it crashes and then it's like i want more i want more i want more and people have been asking us when are you gonna do it again like right afterwards it was like when's the next one i was like yeah we lost like thirty five thousand dollars. <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't think i want to like if we're going to be in business i don't think we need to be doing this. Like, I'm losing, we're losing people's income. Like that was a opportunity, someone's job right there. Someone could have, we could have employed someone with that. 
Yeah. Then uh, compounded with, you know, the pandemic, uh, we we were we were all thinking like it was going to be a good year for us. We had better clients. We had a better vision. And I wanted to stay away from the things that did not make me feel good, losing money <laughs> and throwing just grandioso uh, parties. Um, and we were like, we're going we're gonna to empower and employ some people this year. We're going to employ more people this year. And so there was a shift that happened. And, um, but, you know, like, the good thing is, like, as you kind of stated, it's good that you're able, you're able to identify that, like, hey, you know, this might not be what I want to do now. And you might have to evolve. And Mary Outlaw might be something else next year, but mm -hmm. still bringing in community. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll say about the parties, I really relate because I, like we had an art party last summer, 2019, and we gave a bunch of young artists um, booth space for free at um, the hangar in Crossroads. And then we got people drunk and had DJs and they sold their art and made a lot of money and it just felt good. It felt like everybody understood that we're here to like support local artists and you know, people wanted to spend their money. It wasn't like going to First Fridays where you're overwhelmed with tons and tons of artists. It was like all these people here, we had like a little family of 10 young artists. And, you know, I feel that as I'm planning it and cleaning up afterwards and, and assessing and reflecting, I'm like, this was so amazing. Like the people who were at the party felt that, you know, but then how do you keep that going? That's the hard part. Like everybody, I do believe we were all like on the same wavelength that night and people were like this is good this is not just we're not just getting drunk with djs we're supporting each other and um a lot of cool relationships came out of that where artists ended up working together and anyway but yeah it's like to keep that going we're such a culture of like instant gratification and we want to feel something now and trying to make people understand more of a long-term concept it's hard it's hard to keep them um keep their attention and so that's definitely something that I can relate to. Yeah, it, it does. You know, that, that appreciation aspect is, um, I know that you're an empath. I and I've, I've talked to, I think, I think most people that <laughs> we've done interviews with have been the empath side, meaning that, you know, they, they actually have a care in this world, you know, they, they GAF, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, like, it's really hard to put yourself out there sometimes and then you can get scrutinized for that. Yeah. Right. And I know that you have been scrutinized yeah. um, for putting yourself out there. And it's like, you think that you're doing a good thing and, but yet someone else has a different idea about you. Mm -hmm. And it's such an extreme thing to think about. Right. Because like you feel like you're living your life with good intent. Right. Yeah. And then someone else has this whole different character chart on who you are. Mm -hmm. This person did this because of this. And then this person thinks they're this and that. And I, I generally, I think it's all subjective. Like I generally think that most people don't really think about, it's not designed that way. You know, like if someone's like, <laughs> when a girl starts making fun of a guy, what do they do? Oh, well, and he said this, like, it's not what it really is, you know? Right. But sometimes it can be like the awareness check that you need, where you're like, mm -hmm. well, damn, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. That was not my intent. You went through that, right? Yeah, totally. And there's a difference between, like, at the beginning when I had this whole, like, the for-profit restaurant concept that we were going for. And I had so many people just like shit on my ideas. Like I, and it was hard to hear because I've accomplished a lot. I've, if I want something, I'm going to find a way to get it. It may not be the way that I think it's going to go, but I will get there. And I still believe if I wanted to go that direction, I would have found a way to make it happen. But to see how many people were like, Ooh, Lindsay, like, you know, restaurants, not a good idea. And, you've never owned a business before. Nobody has ever owned a business before when they start their first business. Like that's a ridiculous thing to say to a young person, you know? And so that 
that stuff you really have to just push off and ignore. And it took me a couple of times to be like, all right, thanks for your opinion. Don't care. Moving on. <laughs> but the other stuff too, it's like, yeah, like I said about my position as a white woman in this, I definitely um, understand my privilege and I have to check that constantly. And what I like about mutual aid is that it really takes out the sort of um, like almost oppressive nature that even nonprofits can be sometimes where someone comes in with a lot of resources and means and time and energy and we're just giving it away to people and making them feel like we've saved the day and that's shitty and it doesn't really lead to any long-term change and so the way things have sort of um, progressed with the Marriott Law and how it's become more of a mutual aid concept it always was but it's definitely becoming more of that um, it puts me in a good position because I get to learn a lot from everybody who's involved and I'm not centered in this and I don't want to be, I hate even being on camera right now. I'm like, Ugh. but, um, I like to be the ideas and I like to make other people's ideas happen, but I've definitely had to sort of, you know, examine my role in all of this a lot. Well, lucky for you. Um, we do have podcast listeners too, so <laughs> there there are YouTube list, uh, YouTube watchers, and then we have podcast <laughs> listeners. Um, yeah, you know, like that. You know, I see a lot of myself in you, um, and I think that's like vice versa. Like we have that that respect for one another and what we want to accomplish. Um, but I definitely understand what you mean by that. You know, it seems like that that story of you know that poor kid in Africa with the flies on his head, you know, like, right. like every, every year it's like this, this minute long commercial. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like, if you do like the deep dive, realize that that kid may or may not be supported or not, who knows, but they're only getting like 1% of the dollar that's being delivered to them, you know, right. like, and so like they, they put all this marketing efforts into it. And at what point in time, you know, does a role of a nonprofit um, still have that impact if it's massively contingent on how much marketing that they put towards something and how much dollar goes to the actual resourceful need, you know? Right. And so um, I think it's like, it's good and bad when I see stuff like that, because it's like, it still brings awareness to other aspects for people to think that they need to care about something like that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, that might not be the direct cause for someone to say, I know that my dollar is going to go towards this one thing. And so that's what I do appreciate about the Mary outlaw uh, mutual aid fund. It seems as, you know, um, expenses all side, you know, you're directly helping an individual, mm -hmm. you know, like, there's operational costs for anything and everything, but like you are actually going direct to helping an individual rather than this whole general, let's raise a whole bunch of money and then someone else fixes the problem for us. Totally. Um, yeah, it sucks. You know, that sucks when like people don't have an idea of like knowing like not everything is equal as you think it is like paying's, Paying's a good part, you know, like that, that, that's really cool. But um, if they can also play their part in many other ways, it's not like this is one thing. Oh, I did my good thing for the year, you know, um, to be a, a more human person. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do every day. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like that with the app, you know, you can leave notes so you can write a little memo when you make your request and then people can donate and leave a little note. And it was just like, I try not to get too caught up in the emotional side of things because I am an empath and I will get really like jazzed up or like really upset if there's not enough donations and I see someone's donation like in the, the first month it fucked me up I was you know I'd see someone's donation sit for a week or their request and I would just be like oh my god this has to get filled because I knew those people were experiencing crisis like that's what this is for $300 is not a lot of money obviously if someone's making that request it's because they can't pay their rent they need food in their mouths like it's urgent you know and so uh, yeah a hundred percent of the donations go directly to somebody and it is cool a lot of people who've received um, donations through their requests have come back months later and made made donations to other open requests and have sent me messages saying like 
thanks for doing this. I am so glad I get to pay it forward. And that's what like the nonprofit model doesn't allow for. Like I don't, if I receive a donation from you, it's great. It, it solves my immediate problem, but then I still have to feel like, you know, I am in need and you have the things and I don't have the opportunity to re return to you any kind of favor. And, you know, I'm not an idiot and I can make money myself and I also want to give things and that makes me feel good. So why are we taking that away from the receiving end of things, you know, with, with nonprofits? So I like that, that about mutual aid a lot. For sure. I love that. So, um, you know, us being a marketing company, you know, how have you started to market your, your business and how's the marketing changed throughout? Mm-hmm. Mm, well, I'm not very good at marketing. So I sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sometimes cannot believe that anyone follows our Instagram page because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it's definitely been like trying to understand what people want to see and creating content that's like human centered and not like, you know, I like, we did the portrait project in the beginning where we were sharing people's stories. I loved that. Every time we did it, people ended up making friends and hanging out for a while. And I always just ordered pizza and had beers and just the connections outside of them getting their photo taken was, I loved that. So that was like a cool, easy way to market kind of the values of the Marriott law. But um, yeah, lately we're just seeing so much. I find myself doom scrolling all the time. I'm going to I just bought a light phone. Did I tell you about that? Oh yeah. 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 You did. We'll talk about that next. Yeah. So I am trying to be less connected, but then also I want to be connected enough to let people know what's going on with the Mary outlaw. So it's a constant struggle. Um, but I think that the next step as I've seen donations have dipped significantly in the last couple of months is that I want people to understand what mutual aid means. And it's an anarchist concept. You know, it's like, but it's very good and wholesome and community driven. And I think that if more people understood that, they're more likely to buy in and you know want to be a part of it long-term rather than just saying, oh, cool, I have some extra money once or twice I wanna to give to this website. Um, and so that's my next push is going to be, I wanna kind of started creating a toolkit about what mutual aid is. And I hope that people will you know, wanna learn a little bit and, Maybe you can help me with that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just gotta own it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's well, that's very like genuine, very cute. <laughs> that was like, the cutest way of being like, I, I don't know much or whatever, but you know, it's uh, your marketing concept's been really word of mouth, and you know, it, it looks like it. It's probably came from a lot of um, a lot of early adopters or, or friends. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that's, that's everyone has a different path of marketing. And as you grow, you're going to realize that there's going to be other areas and avenues for you to do things that are going to be, you know, a lot more 21st century, you know? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like for you, um, I, what I think that you could do well, you're doing well at right now is just basically still showing that presence and, you know, I think the word of mouth aspect through the mutual aid fund, I think that's like marketing in itself, knowing that you have that, that's something that you should be marketing constantly. For sure. Right. And now that we're not, you know, there's no, we're not a, a for-profit business. No money comes into the Mary Outlaw at all. Basically at this point, if we receive donations um, via our website, we distribute those immediately amongst open requests. And I'm totally fine with that for now. So knowing that I have no budget, nothing, I can't hire someone, I can't pay myself anything. Um, it makes it easier and I'm, I'm less hard on myself now knowing that, you know, I'm doing what I can, but I think it was important to, from the beginning for me to create a kind of cool con, like I wanted people to think it was cool and interesting because our eyes see so much every day on our phones that I needed to be like a little bit different. I feel like a lot of really cool organizations in Kansas City don't get noticed because they don't even have enough money to you know, fund their actual projects. And so of course they're not gonna go hire some artist to make a cool design and web presence. Um, and so I know as a young person, I, I have a lot of artist friends that have helped me along the way and that's been important and it's made people feel like they're 
part of something, I think, that's not just some random organization they hear about once a year. Yeah, I love the cartoon aspect, the community cartoon aspect that you have within your brand. Like, I'm almost jealous that we didn't (laughs) come up with something like that. No, it's beautiful, though. Um, So, I mean, so what are you going to do in order to make yourself more sustainable for the years to come like because you you, you're going to have to get to this point where you're paying yourself Mm -hmm. you know like you you have to this doesn't mean that you know you need to make a million dollars or whatever but you're going to have to pay yourself eventually and you're going to have to hire people Mm -hmm. in order for this thing to continue to gain more momentum Mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know yet i'll just be super honest i could like give you some kind of half-assed answers here i don't that's okay where it's going to go. But um, I have met recently with a couple of other mutual aid um, organizations and projects in Kansas City. And so this isn't, this will not make us any money, but I think streamlining a lot of our processes for mutual aid. And like I just said, that whole education piece of it to show there's a, a group that's wanting to start mutual aid for local artists. There's Casey Tenants, which they do amazing work and they have a mutual aid fund for their activists and organizers. Um, KCDSA and there's an awesome Facebook group that helps people exchange resources so what I really want to do is kind of create sort of a coalition and get like a patreon or something where people can monthly subscribe um, and donate 10 bucks a month or whatever they feel comfortable with so that we do have some money that can at least be you know we can more urgently get it to folks who are in crisis for the time being and I know you know hopefully things will get back to normal with the economy soon. I don't know, but we're planning for the worst because why wouldn't we this year, you know? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, we, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we lost um, 90% of our revenue because people couldn't, they didn't know where they were going to be with marketing. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to get scrappy and uh, creative and coming up with more package solutions for small businesses and Uh, That really helped um, because it was all about getting that path to growth for them and to keep us going. You know, like it was like we needed to provide services where it's like, well, we got to be working on something. (laughs) If 90% of your revenue goes away, you have nothing to work on other than getting more clients. And um, and, and so like the healthy thing is there's a lot of online activity that's happening. And so tapping into that, I think that's going to be really important for you and every other business out there. Um, but yeah, for you, like, like content wise, you know, like, like what kind of content do you guys foresee yourself making for the Mary Outlaw in, in response to what we're, we're doing right now? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I really want, I think there's, a sort of global shift right now on how we all see the economy obviously and our government's role in our crises <laughs> and you know a lot of people are feeling like the the systems that they've depended on that we were taught to trust are not showing up for them you know the stimulus it's it's like a joke basically a lot of countries are figuring out how to take care of their people and i just we're not really. And so I think this shift is going to change people's perspective and help us learn to rely on each other more. Um, so content wise, I want to reflect that. I want people to feel like we've got each other's backs. It's scary kind of to think like, oh, I'm going to, even as a donor, when you say like, I have $300 to give, I'm going to give it to a nonprofit organization because I understand that when I give to a nonprofit, then I get this tax receipt and I trust these people because they have full-time jobs here to do what's right with the money. It's confusing for people to think, what if I just gave $300 to a person, you know, especially like older generate, my parents, you know, I had to like really explain this to them. Like we trust that these people who are in crisis know what to do with their money. Right. Like who am I to say, like, let's see a receipt for that. You know, these people are truly in crisis and we have to trust each other as donors and as people who are requesting, they have to trust that we're not going to like strip them of their dignity and put their names on the app and you know what I mean? So I really wanna create content that creates trust amongst each other as things really start to change. 
I like that. I like that. So let's get back to that light phone. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you were just getting just overwhelmed with, you know, just everything that's going on and you, yeah. you want to strip it down and mm-hmm. just get the jitterbug. <laughs> yeah. I always feel like I'm like, I don't have a problem with social media, right? Like I don't find myself comparing my life to other people's, but it's actually impossible. I truly believe this. Like you can be the most confident person. And when you're scrolling and these images are just hitting you one after another, there's that, there's the, like the state of the world right now. Sometimes I get so depressed, just like reading, just scrolling that I have to turn my phone off and like cry for a minute. Like I'm a, big empath. So I can't take on that much negativity, you know? Um, so yeah, the light phone, I went without Instagram for like three or four months. I took a road trip by myself for six weeks. I just hopped in my Prius and went with no plan. And it was so nice being like disconnected from everything for a while. And, you know, I knew that fucked up things were happening, but I was like, "Mm, I'll learn about it tomorrow. You know, I just kind of was putting off the doom basically. And I was happier then. And then I got Instagram back and thought, well, I want to be connected. And during quarantine, you do want to like see people's lives and connect with them. But I am not so sure that that's good enough to outweigh the bad. Um, So I'm getting a light phone, which only calls texts and gives you maps. So, you know, I, I picture you doing this because you still have your iPhone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have the light phone and you have to take the card out to put into yeah. the iPhone. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're going to like drop it into <laughs> like a gutter or something like that as you're like swapping out SIM cards. <laughs> and you're like, no, <laughs> has zero connectivity in the world. Yeah. My I bad. I'm going to knock on wood right now. Let's. I think I'll be okay. I'm going to try to like put my phone away because I still want to have music and playlists for the car that I could download on my iPhone, but I want to be able to like put it in a drawer. And then if I want to have an hour of scrolling and news reading every night, well, you know, I can do that, but just to, you know, it's like in your hand all the time. And when I've gone to, I think I told you this, when I went to the coffee shop across the street, I go every morning now just so I can like see humans before I work from home all day alone. And I started going without my phone and I'd like smile at people and be like, good morning. And it was like, I was a weirdo for like trying to interact with them in real life. Cause everyone's just looking at their phones. So. Yeah. Our heads are down at our phones uh, quite often. Um, you know, for me, um, the comparison game, I'm going to compare myself to you. Um, I definitely felt at one point in time, I hit that wave where it was like, gosh, everyone's just like chiming. And what, that didn't like feel like me at all, you know, frustrated kind of, but more like, I just think that people are gathering there because they don't, they want to escape whatever the reality is. And for me, there's an escape of reality, but my reality is what I want to project and put out there. And, um, and so I started muting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so the tools are there. And then um, I've utilized the time spent, you know, like I, I, it's a hard stop at an hour and 15 minutes. And that's a lot of time on social media, hour 15. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we are in business and like that's we have a social side to our business. It's not the only side to our business, but, you know, we do need to see what's going on. And, um, yeah, I think challenge for a lot of people is to know when enough is enough. and um, if something doesn't make you feel good, you can, you should do something about it as you've done. And for me, I've muted a lot of people, but I honestly just, uh, I just think people are different when they're face to face, right? They are. I'm like, and, why aren't you so funny online? Tell me yeah. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think, uh, I think people like where we're at right now, um, and I, I preface this because I am very biased and thinking that we got a way to solve the world's problems, but you know, uh, me and some business partners are working on that solution, um, in order to get people more, uh, interactive with one another and making people feel good. And, and so I saw it as a problem that didn't make me feel good, but it's like, there's a problem that I want to solve. And so, and, and just like hearing people like you, where it's like, it's like, yeah, it was, I was getting overwhelmed, you know, like, 
gosh, yeah, we need to do something about it. And, and so, yeah, we've been developing and, you know, we've got something that's going to cost a lot of money. And, uh, but like, we're like, we're pretty close to like getting it done. Like really close to getting it done. So it's going to make me want to get my iPhone back. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think this is going to be right up your alley for sure. Um, but yeah, it's like the social aspect is like, you know, it's, it's life. It's like here to stay. Mm-hmm. The problem that we've had was the fact that we have accepted that this is the way it is. Right. Yeah. And no one's like willing to really do anything about it. And then also it's like, it's like a 20 year experiment. Social media has been around for at least 20 years. And I don't know if you had MySpace, but you probably, you've probably hit every single level of social media. And, and it's crazy because none of us knew what that was going to look like, you know, a decade away, you know, a decade at a time. And now it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting, you know? And so we have to do something better, like all yeah. of us. And so, and there has to be a better solution. I'm excited to hear yes. what you're doing because going off the grid is like, it feels good. But then like I, you know, I told you I left Instagram for three or four months and I loved it. And then I was just like, oh, I miss people. Like I want to see what everyone's up to. And so I'm going to go off the grid with this light phone and see how it goes. But you gave me the idea to sort of like do a vlog of like a, confessional of my experiences with the light phone and I think something that makes me really sad is that I love to write I went to school to be a creative writer it's my my like passion and I don't do it anymore unless it's like for an Instagram caption or a Facebook post and so my art relies on like everybody's response to it and I write in my journal but it's not the same because I get kind of lazy and I'm not funny or interesting in it because it's just me And so I like the idea of being able to have sort of this art and do this confessional thing where it's like becoming a project for me that I don't need to receive instant gratification from the internet for. And then I'll share it at some point and maybe people will like it, but having like somewhere to put my creativity that's not my own Instagram feed every single day is helpful, I think. No doubt, you know, like that that is the point of connection that you want to have with people. You are trying to connect with people in a way that is going to be like really authentic to you. And sometimes what we do in social media is, it's like, we all have to like jump on this train and no disrespect to any businesses in Kansas City, but um, if a a company wanted to start a t-shirt company, what would they do? What do you think they would do in Kansas City? make an Instagram account? What? Probably make a shirt that says Kansas City on it, right? Oh, yeah. and, and so and so we become, you know, more of the same rather than, you know, trying to stand out or do something different. And that really speaks to you. And being an individual, uh, I honestly give you way more credit for individuality thinking like that. And because not a lot of people a lot of people would be like, why? You're crazy. That's stupid or whatever. And I don't think that's dumb at all. You know, like, I think whatever you, you're going through at any point in moment, it's like, it's for you to find out and figure out. And I think that you have good intent. I'm not as left, you know, anarchist, whatever. Like, I'm not like that myself, you know. Uh, I'm a capitalist, but like, <laughs> I see, I see people, I see people like at face value, like just because like, I wouldn't align with everything that you have to say, or I don't align with anyone with everything that they have to say, just period. Right. Like, I just look at it as a perspective thing, like mm-hmm. my perspective versus someone else's perspective and like oh yeah i can see why they think like that i can see why this person thinks like that and i feel somewhere either in between or strongly about this or that i have i have my own thoughts about certain things and and so like getting your having getting back to your own thoughts you know where the algorithm is not affecting you Mm -hmm. you know because that's what the algorithm is doing there's an ai formula i'm going to tell you this much Putting positive things out there versus sensationalized hate, you're going to get a lot more attraction to the sensationalized hatred. Right. And so it doesn't matter how good you are or how like great of a thing that you've got going on, WAP is going to get a million views 
and yeah. mutual aid is going to get maybe 150 on video. That sucks, you know? It is what it is. And you have to keep grinding harder than anyone and everyone. Like, mm-hmm. you have to work harder to be a brighter and more, you know, giving person. Yeah. And, you know, like, we understood that. We understood that, like, that's the road that we're on. And, mm-hmm. you know, positivity isn't always the coolest thing for a lot mm-hmm. of people. And so oh, like, we love the opposite. So yeah, yeah, I want to be the opposite of that. You know, and, you know, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be positive until we uh, eradicate negativity. So it looks like I'm going to be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get, put the coffee, put the kettle on. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna be here for a while for sure. So um, yeah, you know, like no, I give you nothing but mad respect for that because it's just a lot of people just assume that it is the way it is and I have to be like this and I have to feel this way and yeah you could do something about it even if it's a short amount of time you know it's just like hey yeah I mean feels feels different but I didn't see I wasn't feeling the stress of the environment or the other problems so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and I think like being off the grid also makes it forces you to like listen to actual people like i i do feel like my values are very socialist or possibly anarchist but i also understand that you like you have a very special gift and i can't judge you for wanting to do the things you love that work within a capitalist system like i'm never going to be like dom you should just sell all your shit also i'm living in a nice apartment i have a day job that pays me well I am totally a part of this, you know, but I can even get to a place where I'm just seeing these same things online all the time that are reinforcing my beliefs that make me feel guilty for living here and make me feel like every person who doesn't believe what I believe is wrong and hateful and crazy. And so I am trying to, you know, my views will probably remain pretty strong, but it forces me to really listen to people who are different than me. And the algorithm does not. The algorithm does not give an F about you whatsoever, Um, but it wants you to spend more time on that, that phone. And so, um, you know, I will say this, you know, like that aspect of like, I get to that point too, where I'm like, ah, man, dude, you're being way too radical about this. Like you're, you're talking way too much hate about this particular group and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't really understand hate, but I understand why people can be very conservative in their approach sometimes. And, um, but I just don't understand how people can be just like right, you know, down the, like down the line with every single issue on one side. It's not bloods versus crips. We are human, you know, like there's, there's an aspect and element, like you take away, um, party affiliation or whatever it is. And you ask people questions like specifically, and then they would give you answers. I think that a lot, there'd be a lot more crossover. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you identify with one person or one particular party, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 whatever they say. Totally. And that's just, and so I feel like there'd be a lot more crossover on any side. And that's just kind of my own view. Um, that's not for our listeners to be like, hey, this is how I need to think. But, you know, my own personal opinion is, it's like, well, yeah, some things are going to work. Some things aren't going to work. Mm-hmm. And we have a system right now over years, a lot of years that like, we just keep on compounding interest on dollars and compounding problems on on issues. Mm -hmm. And so we see how things, the experiment goes for one particular thing for a decade. And then it's like, oh, it didn't work. And we need to figure out another solution. And this is why it's gonna be, this is gonna be better. And then we're still back to where we started, you know, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of decades later. And so, yeah, it's really important for us to, to know that it's like, yeah, we're going to evolve. Totally. No, matter, no matter what, you're going to evolve. But make it a good evolution, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be a guy who is chilling and making some contributions to this world. Not the angry old man. You know, when I'm 70 years old, I'm not going to be running for anything. <laughs> Joe Biden or Trump, you're too old. You know, like, I, you know, like, I, like I, 
I, I think I've, I had my, my place. I'm done running the race when I'm <laughs> 70, 78 or yeah, 75. Someone else you know? this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's put a cap on that, you know, <laughs> some degree, some degree. But, um, you know, yeah, just like have fun, you know, like don't lose your spirit no matter what. Mm-hmm. You or the listener uh, or anyone, you know, it's like we can still find things that make us laugh and come together. You know, like that's what I love about music and comedy. Music, it's like you get there and just you just list. You're focusing on music. Mm-hmm. Comedy, you are sitting there to have laughter. Mm-hmm. And when you enter a room of comedy, uh, if you ever been to stand up performance. You know, you have people generally coming together of all types. You know, there's some diversity that's being kind of like brought together and people are laughing about the things that are uncomfortable to say. The comedian, that is their job Mm -hmm. um, to bring up things that are kind of uncomfortable and everyone's thinking it. And so, you know, seeing color and, you know, being able to uh, relate with people, you know, all of that's really important. So, yeah, don't let the world beat you down. Young risk taker or old risk taker. I don't care what age you are. (laughs) Um, But other than that, so I I sent you a text message and I knew that you weren't feeling that great today. And so I wanted to give you a quick rundown before and the questions that I asked you. I said, think about your, your weakness. And then also think about your superhero power or superpower. So, um, Let's hear the weakness first, then we'll get to the superpower. Okay, so I think there's, they may sort of be the same thing. Okay. Um, like I said earlier about my work ethic, it's like I can go so hard all the time and I never say no to anything and it, it burns you out. And I think, yeah, that's, I mean, I just already went over this, but it's like learning how to make my decisions and my my life and my projects sustainable is so important. Like I'm tired, you know, like I'm almost 32 and it's different than when I was 25. Like I already, I need to get eight hours of sleep now and that's okay. And I sort of fell into this whole like hustler culture early. I felt like I had to hustle hard in my early twenties and I'm really glad I did because it taught me my work ethic that has gotten me a lot of good things. But yeah, I'm just, it's hard for me to say no. I think maybe my superpower, I would say it's like, is my work ethic and that I am really dedicated, but probably my empathy, um, my ability to like understand people. My, my day job, I sell Medicare supplement insurance to people over 65. It sounds very boring, but I talk to seniors from all over the country and especially this year like hearing a lot of people's political views you know like COVID's not real I'm like Carl you're 80 and you have COPD it's real like trust me stay inside your house but um you know like it's been good for me to get to listen to people who have totally different views than me talk about you know Trump supporters which I certainly am not and and understand that like everybody is just scared like everybody who is hateful is really just scared of something and i have really firm beliefs and i i feel very radical politically but also i understand that like a, a person's experiences are their own and like if i can listen and understand that better then i can probably work on changing their mind or like bringing us closer in our beliefs and make them see what I see and maybe I can see what they see now. So being an empath. Yeah. Like that's part of the reason I have to get rid of my phone. Cause my heart just like hurts too bad all the time. That 85 year old Carl just wants to go hang gliding. Like he doesn't <laughs> want to stay inside. You know, it's all a hoax. I'm like, dude, trust me. He wants to live his life. He's 85. He wants to go hang gliding. you know like and just to lead off of that you know um when it comes down to us just thinking about like that that topic of like we are just scared or if if we're feeling hate hatred or whatever it may be yeah there, there there there's a lot of like self reflecting but not everyone has that awareness to identify that of like what that fear is right so And then even, you know, if I were to put myself into a white man's shoes, 
and I lived in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, or somewhere in the mountains or something like that, and I'd never been around diversity, and or I've never understood, like, other people's beliefs, you know, like, I, I could, you know, I, I, I'll probably end up being this hateful person or whatever based off of what I've been consuming, you know, yeah. so it's, you know, to some degree, it's, it is their fault, some degree it's not, <laughs> but there's this, there's a system aspect of that diversity isn't, you know, really there, you know, and it's, it's, it's a system. It's like a lot of other issues that made that person this way. Right. You know, they're a byproduct of, you know, their environment. And so yeah. I don't fault them. You know, it doesn't mean that uh, we're going to align a whole bunch of things and they get a hall pass. But like, I do understand that uh, not everyone's going to think and have the same experiences as me, but you know, I can at least have an honest conversation without blowing my lid, you know, <laughs> You know, I, I can, like, literally, all things I can walk away from. Um, if it doesn't make me feel good, move on. And um, last but not least, is there anything that you would like to uh, get off your chest before we wrap this up? Before we wrap this up, I'm going to have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What do I need to get off my chest? I just had a thought, and I forget now. About, oh, not really related. Yes what you were saying about um, people's experiences. I just think that there's a fine line between like accountability and responsibility and empathy and forgiveness. So for me personally, um, like for example, I was in a really bad abusive domestic violence situation. And I think, you know, part of me stayed a little longer than I should have because I had empathy for my abuser because of the abuse that he had experienced. Like I knew where it was coming from, right? It's like his childhood was fucked up and he was abused and now he, he just is traumatized. So he's hurting me now. But then at the end of the day, it's like, that sucks. But also you have to address your trauma so that you're not hurting other people. So it's the same thing for these, you know, for a racist person, like I get it sort of based on your environment but there's not really an excuse for you to not work on it you don't have to be perfect tomorrow but you need to be like as a white person you you have to do the work there's not an excuse sorry what you've been through we all have shit that we've been through and you got to fix it like i go to therapy because i don't want to hurt my future partners in a relationship because i haven't dealt with my shit so i think that i i try to apply that lens to you know everything like I can be forgiving and empathetic and I can also hold you to a certain level of accountability. So. Respect. I like that. That was a nice uh, ending right there for sure. Um, listeners, viewing audience, like and subscribe. Please share if this speaks to you. Follow Lindsay and the Mary Outlaw at... At the Mary Outlaw. <laughs> at the Mary Outlaw on Instagram. And also and their website. Their website we is uh, outlawmutualaid.com. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Until next time, live freely, stay positive. Peace out. Thanks, Bella.